Hey, it's Todd coming to you from the Verona Sports and Spiritual Library here in Verona, Wisconsin. And I'm going to be reading out of The Evolution of the NFL in Seven Days. The Games That Changed the Game. And it's by uh, Ron Jaworski with Greg Cosell and David Plot. I love saying that plot name. Anyways, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be going to put up a... Uh, Diagram. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to go through this diagram and explain to you guys about the uh, what's going on with a bare base front because it's really, but I can at least put the put it on camera and you can read it and uh, go through it yourself. So I'll hand it over to Sadie here. bare base front so you can see that you can read through it a little bit and you know stop whatever you need to do and you can go through it so it's a lot easier than me trying to explain it it's so important this stuff is and yeah I know it's my coloring book too so this is when I was this is when I was 47 years old and felt like a three-year-old one day all right, so it's enough criticizing me too. So, gotcha. That's enough criticizing me. All right, so the first half, Chicago Cowboys series number one, first quarter, Chicago zero, Dallas zero, and Chicago is missing injured start starting quarterback Jimmy Mann, and it showed. Backup quarterback Steve Fuller failed to move the Bears following the opening kickoff, and the Cowboys quickly took over at their own 30. The game did not begin well for the Chicago defense either. First play, Richard Dent was slow to move after the snap, getting Cowboys fullback Jimmy Newsom the opportunity to make a textbook perfect lead block. Dent was down and his spring running back, Tony Dorsett, for a 22-yard gain. Two plays later, Danny White scrambled to the right, avoided a pursuing Dan Hampton, and hit receiver Tony Hill for another first down. On the next snap, White took a seven-step drop off play action and threw deep downfield to Hill on a post route. Hill's defender, cornerback Mike Richardson, had missed the previous three games with a hamstring pull, and Dallas wanted to find out early if he still might be gimpy. Bears' corner stayed with Hill, stride for stride, and had him well covered, but White made a perfect throw. It probably would have been a touchdown, except that the ball went through Hill's hands. Second and ten, the Bears went into the 46 for the first time. Hampton hovered over the center as a nose tackle, while Perry and McMichael aligned over the guards. Wilson and Marshall rotated to the strong side of the offense. With Marshall inside, a cross from the tight end, Wilson and directly outside, Singletary Singletary crept up 
by the strong side while Doris and Cross behind her about say again. Doris and Cross between Dent and Perry. Dorset took the handoff or to go wide, but this time Dent overpowered lead blocker Newsom. Forcing, forcing future Hall of Fame running back Dorset back inside when he was held to no gain. On the play, Refrigerator Perry physically drove Dallas guard Glenn Titanor, Titansor back into the pile. A stunning display of strength that he would be repeated numerous times. Alright, facing third and ten, the Cowboys broke the huddle. Still in their base, offensive personnel. Two backs, a tight end, two wide receivers. It struck me that if you had the same situation in today's NFL, you'd never see an offense go with base formation on third and long. But back in the 1980s, it was unconventional strategy. It didn't work for Dallas on the play either. White dropped back to pass, hoping to throw to his left, but the play wasn't there. So he worked back to the middle toward tight end Doug Crosby. Dent was practically draped on white as when he threw, and it was nearly intercepted by Fensick. Dallas punted, but soon had the ball back after yet another unproductive bear possession. Amazing is the uh, how the defense plays at the offense in this game. So, I couldn't help, at, you know, Cowboys series number two, first quarter, nine minutes, 29 seconds remaining. Chicago zero, Dallas zero. I couldn't help noticing even this early in the game how good uh, Hampton and Singletary were at recognizing and diagnosing Dallas plays. They both seemed to rapidly process when they saw and react accordingly. A great example came on the Cowboys' first play of this series, where both defenders quick to stop a Dorset run for no gain. When on second down, Chicago secondary got caught in a mismatch. Wide receiver Mike Renfro started in motion to the weak side, then quickly reversed to the strong side toward Tomby, oh, sorry, <laughs> towards Crosby and Newsom, forcing what's known as the bunch concept. The cluster of Cowboys played havoc with the Bears man coverage and strong safety. Dave Dewerson was forced to pick up Renfro on a short crossing route. White hit Renfro, who had room to run after the reception, picking up 20 yards and a first down. After a short pass to Newsom gained four yards, the Cowboys dipped into their playbook for a call that had worked well against Chicago in their last meeting. It was to be a left side screen to Dorsett, which Tony had taken 68 yards for a score the year before at Soldier Field. Nothing doing this time. Browns were, or the Braiders were ready for it. Lining up in the 46, Wilson blitzed from the left. But when Crosby, 
Well, I'm sorry. Well, when Cos Cosby, there we go, moved to the block Wilson instead of running into the pattern, it freed Wilbur Marshall to blitz as well. Wilson easily shed Cosby's blocking attempt, and the two bear two Bears linebackers converged. Meanwhile, Singletary alertly diagnosed the play as a screen to Dorsett and went right to him. Even if White had completed the pass, Singletary had his man covered. But White's toss traveled only a few inches as the converging Wilson and Marshall batted it into the turf. Cosby made up his, for his blocking win for the 12-yard reception that Dallas that gave Dallas a first down at midfield. This would be a high water mark of field position for the Cowboys in the first half. They would not even get into Bears territory till late in the second quarter. And by then they'd be trailing by more than three touchdowns. The beginning of the end of the Dallas Cowboys started with a draw to Dorset, which Singletary easily diagnosed shut down for a one yard loss. Second down pass attempt by White was swatted down in the backfield by the long arms of Richard Dent. On third and 10, the Cowboys swallowed hard because they knew the Bears would be coming in full force. So Dallas went to the shotgun with both backs staying in the pocket for, White, for White's protection. It made no difference whatsoever. Newsom ended up trying to block Otis Wilson one-on-one -on -one a mismatch if there ever was ever was one. Meanwhile, McMichael showed surprising lateral quickness and not so surprising hand strength to shove aside Kurt Peterson. Wilson and McMichael pressured White into leaving the pocket and throwing the ball away. Once again, Cowboys were forced to punt. But once again, the man last the McMahon-less offense of Chicago was off the field in short order. Buddy's defenders got a barely a minute to, re to rest before returning to action. Clearly, they weren't happy to be on the field so quickly and saw to it that their next stay would be brief. Cowboy Series number three, first quarter. Five minutes, 23 seconds remaining. Chicago zero, Dallas zero. Fritz Perry, the six foot two, 325 pound rookie gobbled up these, gobbled up Dorset on the first play, dropping the Dallas runner for a two yard loss. And although the Cowboys picked up a flat, for, uh, blah, blah, blah. Cowboys picked up a first down right afterward, you can see the Bears front line beginning to take control. White spotted a favorable mismatch with Cosby against Singletary and completed a 13-yard pass. But I noticed a terrific move by Dent away from the play to, to beat tackle Chris Schultz. Although White got the toss off successfully, he took a brutal but legal shot in the back from Richard Dent as he released. Schultz was in the game only because starting left tackle Phil Paz Derrick had been injured on the first series. Dent was simply too strong and fast for anybody. 
Why don't Owen a seldom use backup and the Bears would exploit this matchup again and again? The drive ended on the next play, even though White made another terrific throw on the run to avoid Chicago's pocket pressure. Danny gunned it to Renfro, picked up 13 yards before colliding with Mike Richardson, the left cornerback. Richardson stripped the ball free from Renfro's hands. And he recovered the fumble himself to give the Bears possession at the Dallas 45. Surely a takeaway was sparked previously in leftless Bears offense. Fortunately for the Chicago, it did not. But after another three and out, a Murray Buford punt pending Hallway back on their own two-yard line. The Bears' defense figured, okay, if our offense isn't going to score, we'll just have to do it ourselves. Cowboy series number four, first quarter, minute 54 remaining. Chicago zero, Dallas zero. This Dallas possession lasted one play. But it was the play that permanently changed the direction of the game. It featured a performer with Dan Hampton, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame precisely because of moments like this. The man, nicknamed Danimo, had already made contributions lining up as the nose tackle. With the Cowboys operating in shadows of their own goalposts, Buddy had Hampton line up as a left defensive end. Here's how good the Bears were. They were in a conventional four-man rush with nobody blitzing and still put incredible pressure on the pocket, pass pocket. In one, in one motion, Hampton clubbed right tackle Jim Cooper, rushed in towards White, tried to get rid of the ball, with both arms extended, Hampton's long race deflected the pass straight up in the air. The six foot five Dent leaped, plucked it away from the crowd, and spun into the end zone. It was the game's first touchdown and the first score of Dent's NFL career. <coughs> Dallas, uh, Cowboy Series number five, first quarter. A man 38 remaining. Chicago 7. Dallas nothing. The play by Hampton and Dent galvanized the Bears defense. So, what if they'd been out on the field for two thirds of the first quarter? They were jacked after that touchdown and really teed off on Dallas's next series. First down. Chicago sent a in. It's Don Lehman to rush as linebackers drop back. But the front board created more than enough pressure to ruin the play. Perry muscled past Tinsenzor, and Dent swept past Schultz. Pocket collapsed, and Dent pulled down White by the, for the sack. To me, Richard Dent was the talent who put the Bears' defense over the top, stated Phil Sims, who had misfortune of facing him numerous times or quarterbacking the New York Giants. He was simply unblockable. That was always the first thing on your mind when you played them. How are we going to block on him 
how are we going to block him in every play? And because the Fort Bears were the only team at the time running the 46, you really saw this stop anywhere else. Their coverages were different. Everything they did was different. And it was very hard to prepare for them. Second and 16, the Bears returned to their 46th front. Hampton moving back inside as the nose tackle, incidentally. I noticed in my film study that Hampton played at every defensive line position at least once in this game. Now, that's versatility. The snap was botched. White was lucky to regain control, but it upset the Cowboys' timing. To compound their troubles, Hampton ran a line stunt, a line stunt, looping behind McMichael. Kurt Peterson moved laterally to stop Hampton, but over on the left, Schultz's rough day was getting worse. The six-feet-eight tackle came down inside to try to help Titanzor, Titanzor block Terry, but it seemed to me that Schultz may have blown his assignment. He probably should have banged out and tried to block Otis Wilson. I say this because Wilson blew in and touched to make the sack. Third and 21, the Bears were quite content to give up a pass over the middle to Newsom. That fell short of the first down. It was the last play of the quarter, but just the start of Chicago's defensive dominance. Danny, wait a minute. We needed to stop the game at the end of the first quarter. Go take a week off, prefer for what we've just seen. Then come back and play the remaining three quarters. You're always looking to find a solution, and we never did find it. We didn't have a clue. Alright, one more drink. One more drink of the coffee, all right? So, all right. Series number, Cowboy series number six. Second quarter, nine minutes, 30 seconds, 37 seconds remaining. <clears throat> Chicago 10, Dallas nothing. The Bears offense was finally able to get on track at the beginning of the second quarter. <clears throat> and although its scoring drive resulted in only a field goal, it did eat up more than five minutes of the game clock, giving the defense a badly needed rest. Chicago defenders returned to action refreshed just as ferocious. White began a screen pass. White began with a screen pass to Newsom that picked up six yards, but came at a cost. As soon as the quarterback released, he was clobbered by Perry. Danny managed to get to his feet, returned to the huddle, but moments later, he probably wished he hadn't. A second and four. Bears went back to a 46 front, this time both Wilson and Marshall blitzed. But only Marshall got picked up. Once again, Wilson came barreling in and drilled White in the back as he fired, 
incomplete toward Cosby. The Cowboys tight end was actually wide open. Would have gone a long way if White had gotten the ball in to him on time. But Danny never had a chance because the pressure was on him so too quickly. Dallas had given Wilson an easy path, also known as a short corner, since it had no tight end or back on Wilson and Marshall's side when Chicago was in the 46. This was a disastrous offensive design and a flawed pass protection concept to use against a team like the Bears. In a post-game interview, Wilson told reporters, when we shifted into our over-under defense, their line could see who they needed to block. But then we changed our fronts while they were calling with protection. So now they got to change their blocking scheme all over again. That's when the boys that's when the boys have to think, you know? Well, I mean, don't think a lot. After the play ended, it was clear that White had been hurt by Wilson's hit, and he had to be helped to the sidelines. Our multiple protection packages worked fine against conventional defenses, but not against the 46, quarterback confessed. We needed a simpler blocking scheme in 1985, we just didn't have it. Otis Wilson was in the right place at the right time that day. When we did slide, when we slid right, he was coming from the left. He never seemed to have anybody. He never seemed to see anyone blocking him. We made him an all-pro that day for sure. I still have knots on my body today from all this, from all those hits. Wilson intended named an all-pro, and I, Wilson indeed named an all-pro in 1985 for the only time in his nine-year career. Wow. With what on the bench, the Cowboys handed the controls to backup Gary Hogaboom, who was rushed into the game with no time to get loose. Small wonder, then, that his first play was a poorly thrown third down pass that Durison, that Durison nearly picked off. Dallas punted, but would be back on the field just after a minute later after another Bear offensive series went nowhere. Although the quick drive had given Hogaboom time to throw, warm-up tosses on the bench, they didn't help. Um, I'm going to end it right there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come right, I'm going to come back to it on, on another day, but as you can see, this is nothing, going to be nothing but a, you know, this is such a beatdown, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this before. A defense that's just going to start to dominate. And, uh, you know, Dallas wasn't a bad team either. They might have had bad schemes, but the talent they had. I mean, Danny White was a, was a damn good quarterback. I don't think he was a Hall of Famer, obviously. But uh, they had a great coach in Landry. And, you know, and, and quite frankly, they had some good offensive linemen. You know, Pop Derrick was a good offensive lineman, Cooper. Uh, Peterson, you know, there wasn't really much on it. Those guys, they weren't, they weren't going to dominate on the offensive line. But they had some players there that could play. Um, 
the thing was with Hogan sucked. <laughs> Quite frankly. And uh, I was never a Dan, I was never a Gary Hogan fan, but uh, you know, Tony Dorsett, Tony Dorsett could get it done. And um, Hall of Famer, incredible running back, one of the best running backs of all time. And you know, it's funny when you look back on that on that game. You know, you would call it a, a minute. You would call it a matchup of Dorsett and Peyton, like 10 years before in 1977. But what happened was it became it became the the, uh, the 46 show of the Chicago Bears. And the immediate, the massive hits they put on. I remember watching that game. I had it on tape. It just made me cringe as a Packer fan. And uh, you know what they're doing to the Cowboys? They're going to do the Packers too. So they did, but it wasn't it wasn't what the score was. Thank God. I'm just trying to say, you know, if nobody else has told you that they love me today, I do, and I say that with the power of love. And I hope you like what's been uh, coming out of these podcasts and stuff like that. So if you can either leave us a nice note or uh, let us know, you know, a friendly donation or something like that. Uh, we have a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing in the future. And we're in the midst of talking about this stuff and coming up with uh, a better game plan for, for our featured uh, for our featured reading and stuff like that you know and it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be sports and spirituality like i say but you know I, i'm gonna keep concentrating on spirituality part too because we all need it and you know what if we're in a good frame of mind spiritually sports are so much easier to enjoy so you know we don't have a we don't have a squirrel inside our head so i've tried watching sports before with that going on it's not much fun Anyways, like I said, you know, I say that with the power of love.